It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 166, and we are recording on Monday, November 27th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing today? I am doing all right, settling in to the holiday season. It's been very exciting here in Corgiland. Um, <laughs> I finally was able to groom the corgis, so my house and myself are covered in floof, but <laughs> they're, they're pretty cute in their sweaters, so I can't complain. They've got sweaters. <laughs> I love it. I could never in a million years even think about putting the cats into <laughs> any kind of clothing. They have too much dignity. They really oh, do. Yeah. no. I mean, like, we've the most we've ever tried is just putting things on their head as hats. <laughs> and they don't like it. <laughs> so I have I have mad respect and a little bit of jealousy for <laughs> anyone who is able to get their pets into clothing. Yeah, Dylan has a a little raincoat um and it has little duckies on it. Oh my goodness. He is so cute and he will wear it because he hates rain. Um but it doesn't have an under like with corgis are so low to the ground. It has an open like belly situation. So when he comes home, he still is covered in like dirt and like, you know, parking lot gravel and who's what else. So I, I need to look at maybe Long Dog Clothing Company that has the panels that go underneath them. Okay. If you have any pictures of the corgis, <laughs> you must send them to me. I need to see them in their little outfits. I will. I will. When we're <laughs> done. I have I have far too many photos. Happy to share. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, we are the, the the cats are not are not in clothing over here, but we are. It is holiday season. Um, I I I oh my gosh, I spent so much time because both sides of the family ask for uh, wish lists, like they want specifics. So I like putting together a wish list, and then my husband was like, "My fa my sisters and my mom want your wish list before." thanksgiving so that they can take advantage of black friday sales and i'm like i will compromise and get it to them before cyber monday <laughs> but that was a ridiculous amount of work i mean i know i made it way harder than i needed to but <laughs> um yeah holidays are definitely upon us my mom just texted me with the results of our my extended family grab bag which relatives are buying for who so we've got that um, and then yesterday morning, I woke up thinking, okay, yeah, you know, Sunday morning, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to Starbucks like I usually do and get my Book Riot newsletter in. And I walk out and the, fir and the first thing I see through the kitchen window is snow. And I literally went, 
just hissed. I'm like, no one told me it was going to snow. So, yeah. So we got snow on the ground and I'm not happy about it, but it is anytime. It is after Thanksgiving. So I'm not surprised, (laughs) but I really don't like cold weather. (laughs) Well, you know, next time you do a a low country vacation, Mm -hmm. you should schedule it for like February. Yeah, honestly, warming up in February. Yeah, that was that was our logic when we well, partially our logic when we decided to uh, fly out to Los Angeles earlier this year in end of February, beginning of March, and it like snow rained the day we got there. Oh, but yes, I I think we need to make we need to plan trips to slightly warmer locales. In the late winter and early spring, we just get too much, too much cold and wet and snow. Yes. And before we get too distracted about <laughs> about our weather situation, we do love the weather on the show. I am so sorry, folks, but it it is genuine. It is genuine. Um, I've actually finished the um, Shady Hollow series. And so as my oh, yeah. currently reading, I wanted to give an update to everyone. So last time I talked about Shady Hollow, the first book, which is about Veer Vixen, who's a journalist in an Animal Crossing-style town, <laughs> only you have no humans involved. <laughs> and uh, you have to suspend your disbelief so much. And Gino Black just commits to the whole vibe. And uh, I finished all four books in like two weeks. Wow. They're adorable. They're so cute. And interspecies relationships are sort of like the queer relationships for humans. And that's really fascinating to me. I was like, how are you going to like maneuver this? But that makes sense, that kind of analogy. But they do commit. Um, The Von Beaver pelts um, are still in. Um, It is amazing. (laughs) And uh, they're very, like, they're not going to surprise you as a cozy mystery. But I don't think people read cozy mysteries for the surprise, I guess. No, I think that makes sense. I, I kind of figured it out. Like most of the you know, times you could figure things out. So anyway, I really enjoyed the series. So that is my update. It's adorable. If you need something that's less stress, I get very stressed right before I go to bed for whatever reason. And so I oh, usually listen to something. <laughs> I Why is this? Um, so I just listen to something calm and I would recommend. That's my update. My husband jokes that like my natural state of being is just a high level of stress. Um, but yeah, it's always right before bed. And I'm like, I'm stressed out at all the at everything that happened during the day. I'm stressed out all the stuff I didn't get done, all the stuff I wanted to get done, all the stuff that's coming up for the next day or the next week. It's just, it's really annoying. It's a lot. Yeah. So why don't you, you should, you should check out these from, from, uh, I, Overdrive is gone. Libby, you should check these out from Libby. Have a nice listen. And it helps me a lot just to get my mind at peace to be able to go to bed. So Very nice. I actually slept it, 10 hours last night, so I would say it works. <laughs> I am so jealous. <laughs> bed so early. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's my problem. I'm up I'm up way too late. And then I still get, I mean, I guess a respectable or moderate amount of sleep, but I wake up and like, I'm so tired. But no one to blame but myself. But anyway, um, yeah, no, this last couple of weeks have not been um, conducive for much. Um, I have actually been staring at a screen for so long that I have a... Um, uh, I now have a somewhat chronic eye twitch. Um, 
<laughs> like I'm not even faking it at this point. Like just randomly throughout the day, my left eyelid just starts twitching. I'm like, I'm so sorry for all the screens I've made you stare at for the last month. <laughs> oh, but we're we're pushing through. We're getting through it. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I don't have much of an update for this episode. But if anyone has not uh, heard yet, I believe you've got a uh, TBR update. Yes. So it is the holiday season. We're getting to holiday buying. We all know about TBR, right? Book rights, TBR service. I and hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're listening to this. So. Um, so it is a service where you fill out a form and you submit it and you can request very specific recommendations. Um, you can tailor it like how comfortable you are. If there's anything like you don't want to read, like if you're like my mom and you want a cozy mystery without swearing, sex or violence, you can put that in there and they will give you book recommendations. And now there are three options for you to subscribe to the service. One is just the recommendations and that's available worldwide. And that is just the like the recommendations, they'll email those recommendations to you based on your profile that you submit. The second one is hardbacks, and they will give you new hardback books. And you that's available in the United States. And also available in the United States is the paperback version. So now it is more budget-friendly to get real in-your-hands books. And what's even better is that you can buy the service uh, as a holiday gift. And it's perfect for gifting. I've gifted the digital service many times and it is delightful and I would recommend. That is fantastic. And yes, if you are struggling to buy holiday gifts like I am currently doing, I may I may end up re- reaching out to TBR for some of my gift giving needs. And you just go to mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. And we will include that link in the show notes for you. So never fear. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, before we jump in to the main episode, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our first sponsor. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. All right. So if you are new to the show, welcome. We are delighted to have you. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. We are delighted to have you with us as well. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, we talk about mysteries and thrillers and just about anything that is considered suspenseful is probably fair game for us to talk about. So if you have listened to the show before, you know this is the point of the episode where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for things that we should talk about in future episodes. We really, truly do use these ideas. They're great for when we are 
absolutely out of ideas or just not operating on all cylinders. You all have provided such great suggestions for us in the past. Um, and we really hope that you continue to send us suggestions for future episodes. So that way we can know what you would like to listen to. We can expand our own reading horizons in ways we hadn't thought of. So whether you are interested in a subgenre that we haven't talked about in a while or author read-alikes or updates about ad movie adaptations, true crime updates, awards, anything along those lines can, uh, like if it falls under that suspenseful umbrella, it's probably fair game for us to talk about. So if you have any ideas, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes so you don't have to get it all down now. We just put out the call ahead of time to get the creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea, just want to say hi, that is also awesome. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you haven't already and you enjoy this podcast, definitely head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that other people can find us. And at this time of year, there's not usually a whole lot of news happening, but this is when Goodreads does their annual Goodreads Choice Awards, which I always feel like like I hear about them, and then by the time I check on the actual nominees, I've missed like the first round of initial voting, which is the case here. I knew that the Goodreads Choice Awards, uh, the nominees had been announced recently, and then when I pulled it up today, I went, oh, final round voting. I missed the first round. So actually, I don't know when... Um, do you happen to know when they are going to be choosing their winners? I can't remember if it's said or not. Um, I'm not sure how many days are left, but it, it's not that long. I know the this round just came up today because I checked earlier today and it wasn't up yet. Final round uh, says that it ends in six days, okay. uh, four hours and 59 minutes as of this recording. So the final uh, voting ends on December 3rd. Um, so if you are an eager beaver and are listening to this right when the episode drops, you still have some time to go over and vote. If you are not as on top of it and it's after December 7th, um, that is when they are announcing the actual winners. But they, I think they usually do it like, okay, this is how many votes each title got. So you'll still be able to see the nominees. But yeah, it's, it's like the People's Choice Awards kind of thing. Um, or readers, readers vote on the awards. Readers' Choice Awards. Readers' Choice Awards, yeah. So, so yeah, it's in a lot of cases, like, if you look at a particular genre category, um, you may see that, uh, or you may see the list and you're like, oh, yeah, Stephen King's got a book here. That's what's going to win. Or, you know, you have the heavy hitters and you're like, okay, one, one of them is probably going to win. But the nominees lists are um, sometimes they can be really interesting. Other times they can they can be kind of you know whitewashed. I feel like the last uh, one of the last couple of years, especially, I looked at the at the nominees and I was just like, wow, this is entirely uninspiring. Yeah, and there has been an issue, and this is not a Kislet podcast, but I think it's worth googling that they took off picture books, middle grade. Um, and I think poetry this year, they I, took yeah. out those categories. So I would definitely Google that. Um, we do cover like the thriller and, and horror stuff here, but it's been a wild year for sure. Lots of discourse. <laughs> yeah. And they also, even though this is not our area, um, they've added a romanticy 
category. Bless. So that has been super popular with, um, especially I think with uh, Rebecca Yarrow's book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the romanticy, which I hate for whatever reason, I hate that portmanteau. It just drives me nuts. But it is its own category for this year's Goodreads Choice Awards. So there you go. If that if if that's also your jam, along with mysteries and thrillers, you are in for a treat. So. Yeah, so I was going to say, let's talk about the mystery and thriller nominees. Have you, now I've, I looked at this for the first time right before we started recording. So uh, Kendra, you already heard my initial reactions. Have you looked at the list as I've been talking? Yes, yes. So I have read two of these and I have read S.A. Cosby's book, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I read Rebecca Mackay's I Have Some Questions for You. Um, I voted for All the Sinners Bleed, um, but I did really enjoy, I have some questions for you. I think it is a contender for one of my favorites of the year. So um, that's exciting. But I feel like I also need to read some of these other ones as well. I am sad that Sujata Massey is not here. Yeah, I am also sad unless it was in, maybe it was in the fiction category, yeah, I, I was going to say, um, I was looking to see if Happiness Falls made it in here, and it didn't. Uh, yeah, it's not under Best Fiction or yeah. Mystery and Thriller, which that that bums me out. But um, yeah, for me, I've only um, I've only read one on the Mystery and Thriller list. It's Riley Sager, the only one left. He, he's pretty much kind of a, a shoe-in, basically. Overall, I think it's probably one of their more solid uh, list of nominees, and one of the books on here may not end up winning, but I have just seen this on every single, not just best mysteries of the year, but best books of the year all around is Jessica Knowles' Bright Young Women, which yeah. was on my most anticipated list. I I caved and bought a copy at Barnes & Noble instead of checking it out from the library. But I have heard so many amazing things about this book. Like this is one that I really am going to try and get my my just non-responsive brain to to read by the end of the year because it's supposed to be just absolutely amazing. So some interesting picks. I'm interested to see what people think about it. Um, as we've said, it does have some issues, but I'm happy to see S.A. Cosby on there. And for horror, I really really am excited to see Mariana Enriquez on the list because our share of night was my vote because I loved it. But I also enjoyed um, Vampires of El Norte. I, I think though it is more romance than horror. It's like horror romance, you know, it's, I would see like it's horror light. So not that it's not a good book and I would recommend it, but I'm not sure it exactly fits per se, but yeah. Um, the other and one of the other ones too, um, Silver Nitrate by Silvia Moreno Garcia. I know that she blends genres so much in her novels. Like it's never just straight horror. It's historical fiction or it's noir or there's science fiction in there somewhere. But I was a little surprised to see it in the this category. Um, I haven't read it. My understanding is that it falls a little bit more on the noir end of the spectrum rather than outright horror. Um, but yeah, like I said, I have not read it myself personally. Um, but I like that there's crossover on that list because even though we are, you know, we are a mystery and thriller podcast and horror a lot of times, you know, is much more, you know, 
it's its own distinct genre, but there's also a lot of crossover. Um, yeah, the Venn diagrams, you know, lots of overlapping for yeah. sure. Um, on the horror list, uh, the only one that I have that I have read is How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix, which is one of the most like I was not a expecting to be as affected by this book as I was both in terms of how creepy it was and how emotional it was like about a family um, where the kids who are adults, but they're in their, you know, they're in their thirties and they're still like not feeling like actual adults and both of their parents die at once and they have to deal with the after effects of their parents' death. And then there's all this horror with dolls and puppets and it's just, Oh, like, it is like people are like, oh yeah, this is kind of you know light horror for people who aren't usually used to horror. I'm like, don't give them that book. Oh my god, it was <laughs> it was like literally horrifying. I listened to it on audio and yelped out loud by myself in the car listening to it. Um, it's a fantastic book, but not one I would recommend to a horror newbie by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> um, but it is amazing. Um, so I was excited to see that one on there um it will pr i'm if i had to take a guess it'll probably end up being stephen king who wins it because he usually does hey, stephen king i wish they could like disqualify him but i know that would yeah. that wouldn't be fair but the real winner is the one that gets second place yeah honestly that's i feel like that's how you have to think of these sometimes <laughs> like you've got the winner you and then like i love stephen king he is my favorite author of all time but I also love all of the lesser known authors. So yeah, maybe when you look at the Goodreads Choice Awards, see who won second place. And that is really the book that you need to pick up. There we go. I think we cracked it. I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> so we will have links to the entire, or to the mystery and thriller and horror uh, list, but make sure to check out all of them. If you have strong feelings about any of the books in any of the categories, like I said, you'll have until December 3rd to get your vote in. And if not, it still makes for a fun uh, reading list. And then they have lists of all the winners and nominees from previous years as well. So those are always fun to go through as well. Okay. Um, well, with that, let's go ahead and jump into the main segment of our show, which even though um, this episode is going to be airing on December 1st, we wanted to make sure that we still paid tribute to Native American Heritage Month, which is always in November. And as always, I mention this every year on the show when we do our annual Native American Heritage Month, but every year I get excited about the new authors that that come up that have been published since the last time we did an episode. And I feel like this is an area where we're, we're seeing a lot of new authors come about in mystery and thriller or adjacent subgenres. Yes. Indigenous horror is having a huge moment right now. And I'm so happy for that. And there's always more writers coming onto the scene. And so I love that. So I think Folks spending their dollars on Indigenous literature is really giving a sign to publishers that they need to publish more Indigenous authors. So keep buying those books, supporting Indigenous authors, and yeah, I I just love I just love how many are coming out right now. And I feel like also just throughout the year, um, I feel like you've highlighted a lot of Indigenous novels, especially. Um, 
from the Appalachian region. I feel like you've, you've mentioned a lot of different, different authors um, or much lesser known or indie or self-published authors throughout the year. So you've, you've given us a little, a little sprinkling outside of November as well. Yeah. I, I love, I love to support um, indigenous authors. I follow uh, Aaron and Danny's book club, which is now called the indigenous reading circle. And they're always posting things and so I'd highly recommend, I'll put links in the description. Their 2024 theme is Native Women, but they also just post a lot of books that aren't their book club picks just as recommendations. So if you want more recommendations in that vein, um, definitely check them out. Uh, they're always, they always have new things and I'm excited to see the what they post for sure. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump in. Why don't you go ahead and give us your first pick? All right. So this one, I... I think I was assigned this for like a freelance thing. And I'm so excited that I was. This is And Then She Fell by Alicia Elliott. Um, Elliott is Mohawk. And this is Indigenous Horror. And this is so many things. So let's see if we can <laughs> sit down <laughs> and get the gist here. So our protagonist is Alice. Um, she is a Native woman who lives with her white husband. He is uh, an academic and he's even studying... Um, He's studying Mohawk culture and her language to try to get to know her better. But he also is also kind of helps him in his academic studies. So she seems to have the perfect life. They have a new baby named Dawn. Uh, but everything is not as it seems. Alice's mom died about a year ago, and she just hasn't gotten over that grief. She also has what I think we can see is postpartum depression. And this horror novel really takes a look at uh, the intergenerational trauma that Native women carry, um, the colonial violence that they still experience, and it has a lot of Alice in Wonderland kind of themes. You'll see the cover of the book is like a woman falling, like she's falling through the looking glass. And so as she continues to kind of fall into this, uh, into her mental illness, she begins seeing things. And you don't know as the reader if they're real or not. And it is very violent descriptions, um, just FYI. Um, there are some descriptions of violence towards um, babies and children. So just FYI that that is part of the story. But it is such a impactful book. I just had to hold the book and like cry at the end. Like it was a very meaningful book. And I think it captures postpartum depression in a way I've never read before. I have never had postpartum depression, but I've had depression. So I feel like... I can relate, but um, it's a beautiful book. Wow, that sounds really impactful. And for me, stories, darker stories about families and motherhood at whatever stage that motherhood is happening in, those always hit me really, really hard. I myself am not a mother, um, but I am a mother, obviously. <laughs> And I don't know, for whatever reason, that that subject, um, some of the most affecting, darker books that I've read um, have been about motherhood and that type of stuff. So that that's one I would probably need to like, okay, make sure I was in the right mindset to be able to to read it. Otherwise, I might have too many feels. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of feelings about like her daughter won't latch very easily for breastfeeding. And she feels like her daughter doesn't like her. The baby really seems to calm down when her husband holds holds her. And 
Um, you know something's off with the husband. There's definitely something off with her white lady neighbor who accuses her of trying to break into her own house. There's a lot of um, racism that she experiences throughout the book. So just a heads up there as well. Um, but um, yeah, it's an excellent, excellent novel. I am going to go back and pick up Alicia Elliott's backlist. But yeah, definitely check out And Then She Fell by Alicia Elliott. All right, before I do my first pick, let's go ahead and take a quick pause for our second sponsor. Okay, so my first pick is, uh, actually both of my picks are uh, very much on the literary end of the spectrum. In fact, would probably be much considered more literary fiction than mystery, but they definitely still fit. So my first pick is This Town Sleeps by Dennis E. Staples, who is Ojibwe, and the story takes place in Minnesota. And it follows Marion Lafournier, who is in his mid-20s. He is a gay man, and he enters into a relationship with a former classmate named uh, named Shannon, who is a very closeted white man. And so they have this relationship that is very secretive. It's very inconsistent as Shannon tries to figure out, you know, what he wants comes to terms with his with his own sexuality. And it's also linked to their shared history as high school students and, you know, their connections with other people who still live in the area that they went to school with. And we learn that about, about 10, 12 years ago, there was a murder of a 17-year-old boy named Caden Kellier. And both uh, Marion and Shannon were a little bit younger than him, but they but they remember when he was murdered. He was murdered out in the woods. And there's some question as to the person who was arrested for the murder, you know, were they actually responsible? Was there something else? You know, what was did someone else do it? Was there some other motivation? Like, was he as involved as he was um, as he was punished for? So that's that's where the mystery tie in happens. But it's really a story of like exploration of like not just ancestral history, but like local history and how things, you know, that happened maybe a few decades ago continue to have ripple effects through the present. It's a very impactful story. I listened to it on audio. Uh, it's really, really good on audio. Um, and it's very short too. It's like, I don't know, maybe five hours long, maybe a little less. Like it's, it's a really short audiobook. but yeah, it's a really interesting read. And there's a little bit of a, I don't want to, it's not exactly magical realism and I don't want to call it, call it mystical, but there's, there's a tiny hint of the supernatural in there as well, because Marion, he talks about how there's this legend when he was a kid that years ago, that there was a dog that died underneath a merry-go-round on the school playground and the kids never wanted to go play on it because it would awaken the spirit of this dog. And he's like, okay, yeah, this was all a joke. But then, you know, not far into the book, he unintentionally awakens the spirit of the dog that lives under the, um, that lives under the merry-go-round. And so that kind of eventually ties him into Caden's history and, and whatnot. 
The only the only quibble I had with the book on audio is that there were certain sections of the book that were told from another character's perspective. Usually it was from Marion's perspective in first person, so you're able to pick that up. But if it switched points of view or switch characters in the story or went back in time, it was a little hard to pick that up right away. So sometimes I'd be like, wait, 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 oh, this happened a while ago. So it it jumped back in, back in time and it wasn't quite as easy to pick it up on audio, but I was still able to follow this, follow the story for the most part. And yeah, it was just it was just a really interesting, thought provoking read. Um, did you get a chance to read this, Kendra? I feel like this probably would would have been uh, right up your alley. I haven't, but I made a note to check it out when we're done, which I feel like is is every week. But particularly, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know I'm doing my job right. <laughs> That was how I remember that uh, when back when Rinzi was still co-hosting the show, I finished talking about a book and she's like, well, while you were talking, I pulled up the library's catalog on my phone and just placed a hold on it. And so I was like, (laughs) all right, mission accomplished. Um, But anyway, yeah, it's a really um, yeah, it's a it's it's a very thought provoking story. And I yeah, I really liked it. It's different than the types of books I usually read, but I'm really glad I listened to it. Um, And again, this is This Town Sleeps by Dennis E. Staples. All right. So my second pick is one I've been seeing everywhere. So of course, I had to read it. And that is Never Whistle at Night, an indigenous dark fiction anthology edited by Shane Hawk and Theodore C. Van Alst Jr. And (laughs) Let me let me just read you some some of the names that are included in this anthology. We just mentioned there are so many indigenous authors being published. This is this is a good sign as well. So we have Darcy Little Badger, Sherry Dimoline, Brandon Hobson, Tommy Orange, Mona Susan Power, Rebecca Rowanhorse, uh, David Heska Wanbley Waden, uh, Wab Geshig Rice, uh, Kelly Joe Ford. So many names. Like those are just like a handful of them. Uh, Morgan Talty is also on there. Just an incredible lineup of indigenous writers. And a lot of them specialize, like we've mentioned, in dark fiction, in horror and different things. And so this anthology features a story by each of these writers. And there are some stories where, for example, uh, the protagonist of a story, she marries into a wealthy white family and she makes an offhanded comment after they're married that she happens to be, you know, a part native. And she's like, yeah, I am. And uh, she discovers that his family doesn't like that. Some uh, are, there's one called um, Quantum. And it's about this mother that's very concerned with the different uh, blood quantums of her two sons. And how she really wants to maintain a purity of indigenous blood. And it really kind of takes this obsession with blood quantum and really has a discussion in this story about uh, this indigenous community's um, ideas around blood quantum and how harmful uh, blood quantum is. It is a colonial construct forced upon indigenous people. So it is just an incredible anthology that takes a look at so many different kinds of indigeneity, what that looks like. So many different indigenous peoples represented. I loved it. Would recommend it to everyone and their mother's brother. It is, <laughs> it is, it is so good. 
I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I was just thinking while you were talking, because I was thinking about how I don't always go for short stories just in general. Um, it's not a format that always works for me. I feel like I'm missing something or I don't know, for whatever reason, it just doesn't always hit me. But then I was thinking about some of the anthologies that I've heard of over the years and not just like, oh, best American crime writing or whatever the case may be, but some of these niche type of like subgenre anthologies. And then I get really excited about, about those. And I think it's having such, you know, especially when you're able to put together, pull together such, um, Uh, a talented group of contributors like for this one this was one where I mean most of the authors I actually have heard of just from doing the podcast but just in that handful you mentioned I was like yep read something by them I know that person I know that person I know that person and having that you know all of these different voices in one collection I think is something that for me will will outweigh the my general you know not not dislike of the short story format, um, but something that really weighs heavily in the on a positive side for it. But yeah, I remember when this came out earlier this year, and I remember looking at the list of people and going, "Holy cripes! This is right? this is a stacked lineup." And you know, um, Stephen Graham Jones does the introduction. Oh, perfect! And- I knew he had to be involved somewhere, right? <laughs> Um, and I've read Shane Hawks. Um, he published an indie collection of short stories. And you know what I actually do for a December Advent? Um, it wasn't really. It's not a religious Advent. It's more like a countdown calendar. They call it Advent calendar. And what I have decided to do this year is to read one short story every day. Ooh, and interesting. So I've been getting in the short story mood, and so I've you know pulled a bunch of short story collections. I have Morgan Talty. Is he was in this, and I have his. Um, in this stack, I have some Alice Monroe, you know, I have, you know, a whole, you know, collection. And I feel like if you wanted to do something like that for the holidays, read a dark fiction anthology, this would be perfect for a little countdown. So definitely check out Never Whistle at Night, edited by Shane Hawk and Theodore C. Van Elst Jr. All right. So my second pick is if we're talking about books that have been just everywhere since they were published. Um, in fact, my book is so popular that I didn't get a chance to read it because my hold didn't come in in time from the library. And that is The Berry Pickers by Amanda Peters, who is part of the Mi'kmaq Nation, and she uh, actually lives in Nova Scotia. So she is an indigenous Canadian writer. And the Berry Pickers, I was vaguely aware of it when it was published this year, but it recently won the Barnes & Noble Discover Prize, which they award to debut or up-and-coming authors. Um, and ever since then, I was like, oh my gosh, this book has been, you know, it's it's been everywhere. It's at all the bookstores. It's checked out at the library. Like I said, I could not even get a copy of it. So my perception of this of this book is only based on what I've been able to read about it from the plot summary and information from it winning the Barnes and Noble Discover Award. But it starts with the disappearance of a four-year-old Micmac girl whose family travels from Nova Scotia to Maine to pick blueberries for the summer. And then um, Ruthie, the four-year-old in the family and the youngest child, she vanishes. Um, Her six-year-old brother, Joe, is the last person to have seen her. 
and the, the his sister's disappearance and the fact that he was the last person to ever see her really rocks his entire world throughout you know the rest of his childhood and into adulthood and then as we move forward in time which the description says is right around 50 years we're back in Maine and there's a young girl named Norma she is the only child of an affluent family but her father is emotionally distant her mother is very overprotective and Norma realizes that she is troubled by these recurring dreams visions that to her seem more like memories than just an overactive imagination. And as she gets older, Norma realizes that there's something in her family history that her parents aren't telling her. Um, And so she spends decades trying to uncover this family secret. So the whole time frame of the book takes place over the course, like I said, of about 50 years or so. But there's a mystery at the center. Well, there's a couple of mysteries. There's the disappearance of Ruthie in the in 1962. There's the mystery of what family secrets are Norma's parents hiding from her and, you know, what she ultimately uncovers about her family history. Um, but I, again, if I think this book is probably it would fall towards the literary end of the the of the spectrum, maybe a little bit of historical fiction in there. But it talks about things like, you know, the search for truth and family history and trauma and all of these other different elements that I think or that I've noticed are are consistent recurring themes in other indigenous stories that I've read. These are kind of, you know, these are large themes that a lot of indigenous writers grapple with in their fiction. But yeah, it's supposed to be really, really good. Um, it has on, again, Goodreads, you have to take it with a grain of salt um, in terms of ratings and like review bombing or people posting fake five star reviews any and all of that stuff. But it has over four stars on Goodreads, which to me is the mark of a pretty solid book um, and one that I am... You know, and the fact that this, you know, was written by uh, an indigenous author and is getting a lot of attention in this uh, in this way, I think really raises it up on my extremely large TBR. So even though I haven't had a chance to read it yet, I think um, this is definitely one to um, this is definitely one to pick up. So, Kendra, this book, um, Goodreads tells me that it was first published um, back in the spring of this year, in, in early April. For me, I, this book did not really even cross my radar until, you know, whenever I honestly, I think until Barnes and Noble mentioned their award, you know, mentioned it, that it won their um, Discover their Discover Award. Have you like, did this book cross your radar sooner and I just happened to miss it? Or like, or are you kind of like me where you're only just now hearing about this one? <laughs> no, I actually own a copy of this you book. You own it. <laughs> I do. It's, and I actually almost started reading it the other day. I had to make a, a difficult choice of what to read next. And um, I, I have it. It's in my top five of my little TBR in there. And I'm very excited to read it. And it's also from uh, Indie Press Catapult, Counterpoint Catapult. Um, I believe they're still an indie press and 
Uh, I'm so excited to support them. I'm glad that she won. I saw that when she made like what the, the nominees for the award, they announced the nominees first. And then that she won. It's a gorgeous cover. The size also of the book is different. It's like wider. Interesting. It's, it's not quite square, but it's on that way, on its way to square. So I'm very excited to read it and we'll be back and we can chat about it. Yeah. We'll both read it. Um, and actually, when I um, when you mentioned the publisher, I clicked on the Goodreads page to see more information. And this particular version, I don't know, necess- I don't know necessarily what makes it that much different, but this one says published uh, at the end of October. So it might have been it was published earlier in Canada oh, before it made its way down maybe here. That would make sense. That would make sense. And I feel less bad that this didn't cross my radar until the last month and a half or so. I'm like, oh, okay, October 31st. I don't feel nearly as bad. But yeah, this is one of those books that just kind of like, once I heard about it, I just started seeing it like everywhere. And I'm guessing that we will probably continue to hear about this one. Um, So again, that is The Berry Pickers by Amanda Peters. Well, those are our picks for our theme and i guess it's time for new books let's do it why don't you do why don't you go ahead jump on in okay so i have chosen one that is out on the 28th so tomorrow as of this recording so it'll be out by the time you listen to this and this is called the fiction writer it's by jillian cantor and it's about olivia and she is a fiction writer as the title would suggest and she has recently written a retelling of uh, Daphne du Maurier's much-beloved novel, Rebecca, but it really flopped. Her boyfriend has just left her, and so to make money, um, she decides to take this high-paying ghostwriting gig where this rich guy basically hires her to write this novel for him. And so she goes to this, it seems like a like secluded house to go um, write this gothic mystery. But she says in the last line of the description, it says, but before she knows it, she's trapped in a gothic mystery of her own. (laughs) Only on the California coast. So a little more. A little bit sunnier. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I was like, what is happening? But I'm a sucker for books about writers, as we all know. So I that's why I chose this one as well because I love I love to see writers struggling and then <laughs> writing their books and some of them you know in mystery and thriller novels some of them end up being the bad guy in the end so that's always interesting maybe I just have read The Shining and was deeply impacted subconsciously <laughs> and like that'll do so, it <laughs> who knows we won't psychoanalyze me today uh, Katie what is your new book pick. Well, I did not, like, I was vaguely aware of the, just the author and the book. Um, I did not realize how um, strikingly similar both of our picks are. Um, I also picked a gothic mystery that also mentions, because uh, your description, um, it says, you know, a book that reveals a secret about uh, the guy's grandmother and Daphne du Maurier. And I'm like, my book mentions is... is recommended for fans of Daphne du Maurier. So if you are a fan of Gothic mysteries and or Daphne du Maurier, wow, did we unintentionally come up with a show for you? We did. Um, we did. So my pick is called The Folly by Gemma Amore, and that is out on December 5th. So that's going to be next week. And so we have Morgan, 
whose father, Owen, is in prison uh, for allegedly murdering their mother. And except Morgan always has known that her father never actually murdered their mother and she's spent the last six years campaigning for his release. So he is finally set free, but obviously they cannot uh, live in the house where their mother was, where her mother was murdered. Um, So they end up uh, taking up residence in this dark decorative granite tower on the Cornish coastline known as the Folly. And the owner of the Folly makes them an offer. If you take care of the Folly, I'll let you live there. And so they're like, this is too good to refuse. And if you're thinking this is too good to be true, you're probably right, because this is the general theme of our show. Um, And at first, it's amazing. But then there, a stranger arrives who acts like Morgan's mother, talks like her mother, wears her clothes. But Morgan's like, you know, this is a stranger. This is not my mother. Is this person hell-bent on revenge? Uh, Is this person in touch with Morgan's mother's spirit? Is this person just deranged? And with all of this comes the question, well, if Morgan's father did not murder her mother, what did happen? Yeah, so this one uh, specifically says uh, an atmospheric nod to the lighthouse with hints of Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca played out on a lonely Cornish backdrop. So this is a very specific, I feel like almost like an aesthetic. And I have a couple people I know of who fit this aesthetic very well. Um, If you too feel like this is just ringing all of your bells, make sure to pick this one up and... Kendra's pick as well, but my pick is The Folly (laughs) by Gemma Amor, and that comes out on December 5th. All right, everyone, that is our show. Thanks to everyone for listening, as always. And of course, a wonderful thank you to our sound editor, Caitlin Brame. Uh, She makes us always sound wonderful. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com and don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you would like to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, which is always hard to say back to back, <laughs> you can reach us at red or dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at KD Winchester. You can find Katie on Twitter at KT underscore library. Those sound very similar. So I will link them in the show notes and we will talk to you all next time. Bye.